Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris. Hey, it's me, Matt. Ooh, lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Singing, singing the intro. He'll be writing the theme tune and singing the theme tune next. <laughs> well, we're here for another lockdown uh, special of the podcast, aren't we, Matt? I don't think it's special anymore. <laughs> no, we've been doing, what, about six of these now? Five or six of these bunker yeah, bonuses? Six, six a day, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, capitalising on everyone else's misfortune or the world's misfortune. Um, but yeah, you had a chat. Yeah, I had a chat with Gemma Hurst about um, The Room, which Ooh. was, oh yeah, it was on our list of things to do. Do you remember in, do you remember that Christmas, two Christmases ago? Was it two Yeah. Christmas? Two Christmases ago, we put our wish list. And I think now we've done them all. I think more or less. The only, I think the only ones we haven't done are Diana, which is the, uh, the, the Naomi yeah. Watts one, and, and this one, The Room, and you managed to uh, I, I did track it. someone down to who, <laughs> who loves it. She proper loves it as well, so it, it was yeah. nice to get that kind of enthusiasm um, rather than someone just dialing it in like I do every <laughs> week. <laughs> anyway, here's the interview. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gemma. Hello, Gemma. Hello. How are you today? I'm, I am right as rain. I'm giggling because, uh, because of technical difficulties. That is actually the third time I've asked you that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I feel a bit like Follow 10 away, second boys. Tom. <laughs> so just to recap, we could do like a, a Netflix recap. Uh, recap. Uh, Gemma's fine. She's enjoying the sunny weather. She doesn't like insects, um, but is generally in fine spirits. Does that cover us <laughs> off? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to watch the next episode. Sign me up. <laughs> Good stuff. So we can skip the intro and then straight into there. <laughs> okay. um, perfect. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself, Gemma? Of course I can. So I'm Gemma. I'm five foot two. I'm Taurus. I love long walks on the beach. Right, I'll stop there because that's the wrong introduction. Uh, basically, what I what I am, I used to be one third of Skip to the End. Uh, we ran for a good number of years, and we focused on films, we focused on pop culture, we focused on rewatches, and it was all very much good fun. We decided to end the podcast at the end of last year. We're still uh, very good friends, but in the meantime, I absolutely love and adore films. I love film music, which I have a little side hustle called Reimagined, which is at Reimagined UK. Shameless plug, I know. And I'm just a bit of a general nerd, really, and it's uh, it's the way it is, and I'm very happy with that. So that's that's the, the short biography. Uh, a further Wikipedia version, I'm sure, can be found somewhere else. Is that true? Or is that one of those Wikipedia entries where you kind of update it as you're going into the oh, pub? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, and everyone just starts going, she's actually a really big fan of quiches. It's like, I've never liked quiches. So, <laughs> <Don't> they say. <laughs> can, you, um, can you sort of put a genesis on your, your love of film? Is there, a, is there a, a sort of defining moment that you can remember? Um, I guess there is actually. I mean, when I was uh, when I was about five or six years old, my mum and dad took me to the cinema for the very first time, and uh, they took me to watch Bambi, uh, which is obviously the the Walt Disney tragedy comedy. 
and uh, I remember just being absolutely, absolutely awed and just really astounded with just sort of, you know, the, the, the moving imagery, the music, the story. And it kind of really barreled from there. You know, I, I wanted to start watching all the Disney films that were available. I remember also um, my love of musicals stems from sort of Disney and also a recorded videotape of both Grease 1 and Grease 2, uh, with Grease 2 being, of course, the definitive version. And it just really kind of spiraled from there. And ever since then, you know, it's a really great way to kind of, you know, capture your imagination and kind of take you into a world that is completely detached from the, the everyday. And I, I absolutely adore it. I think film is just such a wonderful medium to really enjoy and there's something for everybody. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's number one. Yeah, and in these trying times, being a film nerd kind of is starting to pay off a bit, right? In terms of everyone's Absolutely. like wandering around going, what can we do? And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Have you met my friend, Mr. DVD? <laughs> All of these you. need a rewatch. And I've, I've, I've alphabetized them, so I know exactly I know. how to attack. Yeah. Have you found this um, a particular type of genre you've been watching more since all of this has happened? Um, I haven't been doing what well, apparently everyone else has been doing, and that's kind of watching the, the pandemic-based films. Because I think that's a bit, a tiny bit odd. But um, I, I, I do find myself gravitating more to the mindless action, the sort of uh, proper oh, yeah. brain-chewing gum food. Definitely, definitely. I'm, I've kind of stayed away from all those pandemic type films and it, it's really bizarre because I absolutely love zombie films and just for now I'm like, it's too real. No, <laughs> not today. <laughs> I do every time I have to go around to Tesco's Express expect to be at some point chased by a horde and I hope oh, they're God, the George yes. Romero type because I'm not a sprinter. So, no. you know, <laughs> I hope like Shaun of the Dead minimum, you know, I'll take that. Yeah. Anything 28 days later or further, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a goner. Yeah, I'm I'm a first victim. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm running around after that eating other people. So you know, That's it's right, good yeah. to get I mean, in early on those things, right? Definitely. I mean, cake wins over dumbbells. So I'm sorry, but I'd rather rather stuff the face than work out. Today, uh, you are here to talk about a film to defend a film's honour. Um, mm-hmm. What film is that, Gemma? Oh, well, it's a film that is unlike any film that's ever been released before or after. It's a film that I think is probably one of the greatest masterpieces of the 21st century. Of course, I'm talking about The Room. I love you, Lisa. Now, um, this is 
stuff of legend um mm-hmm. it's one that we've wanted to do on the podcast as well but we kind of i'm in an error because we kind of try and Trying to avoid the films that are a little bit too obviously poo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's a friendly way of saying it. <laughs> we just try and skirt around those, you know, no sharknadoes. Um, yeah. But this is one where I, I, I felt it did still fall into our ethos because it was never meant to be rubbish. They didn't sort of set mm. out to be kitsch. It was, uh, it was always mm-hmm. meant to be um, highfalutin. Uh, it was yes. meant to be a, a great film. So. Um, but you literally are here to defend its honor, right? It's not like a, you're not, you know, you're not like a, a tourist on these things. It's it's definitely a oh, film God, that no. you, you want to get oh, out of the bunker. 110%. I'm about as committed as you could possibly be in terms of a fan of the film. And once you look past the, you know, the first watching of what on earth have I just watched in my eyeballs, you really do get a sense of how wonderful and how crazy and how how beautiful this film really is and i never thought i would say the words beautiful and the room in the same sentence but here we are today it's it's extraordinary you're never gonna really have anything to replicate this to it it really is its own being and it's all the mastermind and the fearlessness of mr tommy wiseau one tommy wiseau who let's face it you know if a mortal combat character decided to get a mortgage and settle down it would be him what does finishing move be though just uh throwing a plastic bottle at someone's <laughs> head until it eventually broke oh it would he would call it you know i am tearing your path <laughs> just literally just, render someone in half that's right just drown them in rose petals and bad specs uh, so because my calendar is pretty full with watching uh, supposedly bad films we're not going to call this a bad film straight off the bat uh, <laughs> supposedly bad films this is ha- this is one I hadn't actually seen even though I wanted to do it on the podcast for a long time I hadn't actually seen it so this morning I did myself a little double bill of watching this the, watching the room and then watching the disaster artist straight away oh, afterwards brilliant choice um, I, for full disclosure as well the only free version of the room knocking around on the internet these days is the son's sex scenes so um, which I believe is ten percent of the film. <laughs> so. That's a goddamn shame! Wow, I mean, the the, the sex scenes—it's—it it really is. I mean, erotic is a word to use, and I think it's beyond erotic because it's—I mean, you've got for the for those of you who've never seen um, the cut of the room without this. Uh, Shagathon. Basically, it's a lot of soft lighting, a lot of roses, chiffon, some beautiful porno-esque music, but it just kind of slightly marred with Mr. Wiseau's inaccurate location of the vagina. <laughs> Roughly midriff is where he's going, right? <laughs> yeah, just buffing a belly button. <laughs> I thought it was a move I'd never seen before. I was like, I'm going to that one up. Uh, funnily enough, another special move of uh, Mortal Kombat one time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, could you, could you explain the plot? I mean, <laughs> normally I say, could you, as an offering uh, of explain the plot. This time I'm actually genuinely interested if you, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and summarise it because if I was really to explain a plot, we'd be here for two days. But it's basically set in San Francisco and Johnny, who's played by Tommy Wiseau, he's pretty much living the American dream. You know, he's got a successful career in banking. He's got a beautiful future wife. Uh, I say future wife because I don't think he can say fiance. <laughs> and he's also got a busy mate that he can really trust and in no way, shape or form would ever betray him. Or would he? And it's the, it's the ultimate tale of love, lies, sex and deceit. 
And you think, you know, is, is this really the American dream or is the American dream just a pack of lies? And it turns out it, it could be so much more. It, I mean, this film, it really is the Rubik's Cube of the cinematic universe. <laughs> I feel so that hasn't watched it and is listening to this. I'm going, huh, really? Hmm. <laughs> and yeah. maybe they'll, they'll cut off of the podcast this going, actually, I'm not going to listen to anymore because, you know, they're, they're here of be spoilers. Um, I'm not going to listen I mean, to anymore. I mean, I'm going to go off and watch it. I mean, I mean, if you, if you want a real tagline, I mean, boffing her belly button, that should lure anybody in any night of day. <laughs> Sold. Take my money. <laughs> Excellent. Here's your receipt. <laughs> but as as I pointed out, the the, the belly button, oh, geez, that's quite mm. tricky to say. The belly button boffing isn't actually yes. available. Generally, um, I'm not quite sure what happened because the room was always on YouTube for such a long time in its full entirety. It was. Um, but now it's that you go to the link that where it always was, um, and now mm. it's private, and you can't, you can't even pay to watch it. So it's weird. Um, but there, okay. there is a, a a non-sexing version that is knocking around. And then if you do double team it with the disaster artist, you do get to see a bum. Um, it is yeah. uh, James Franco's bum, and not the <laughs> the famous Tony yeah. Sale bum. But you know, it kind of fills in that gap for you. <laughs> If that's yeah, probably the right word. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, it goes beautifully with the whole film. But of course, if you're going to remove the sex scenes, I mean, you must have watched the 15-minute version of the film because I, I would about 80% of the room is bad sex. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this the official stats is actually it is actually 10, 10% of the film yeah. is the yeah. sex scene, and uh, there is a bit of the Zara where she's watching um, the actress uh, plays uh, Lisa is watching yeah. it and was just going, "Oh my God, it's still going on." <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you really think that's it and over, it's almost like, you know, they've tagged in a director's commentary all of a sudden. And, and that's one of the great things about these sex scenes. I'm really banging on about the sex scene quite a lot. But it's also one of the wonderful things about the sex scene is the, the dubbed moans, because it genuinely sounds like someone browsing the Argos catalogue and going, oh, look, 20 quid for a carriage clock. It really is just exquisite to listen to and I, I do believe i got a version of this on blu-ray um, <laughs> and yes not, not easy. I, I purchased a couple of more quid and i i ordered it from uh, the prince charles cinema in london and uh, obviously uh, I, i'm unsure if their shop is still going but i do know you can get an uncut version of the film via them wow you know there's, mm -hmm. there's my christmas wish list taking care there you of go. <laughs> straight away top of the list um, <laughs> at this point in the podcast, we're normally sort of delving in and kind of pulling apart like the, the sort of absurdities of the bad film. We kind of go, this was silly because this happened. And, you know, we recently did Broken Arrow and it was like they, they managed to go downhill to go uphill to go into a lake. And that was silly. So we pointed that out. If I started doing that with this film, <laughs> um, I would start at minute one and go through to minute 90. It's got to be 90 minutes, isn't it? I mean, how long is this film? I genuinely think it's about an hour 40. Without the sex scenes. Without, <laughs> oh, without the sex scenes, about 10 minutes. About 10 minutes long. Um, yeah, because the, the film is absolutely insane. And yes. it features um, some of the, the, the worst acting that has I mean, been put it's, together. It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenging performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not from all. So, I mean, it, when you kind of say that out loud and realise that is about this film, but then this film has a huge cult following. You yourself are in love with this yeah. film. And it's like, mm -hmm. so the question is, what, why? 
Okay, so I'd probably say the best way to watch this film is with a room full of people. Now, I first watched this at a cinema a good number of years ago, a good few years ago, and Tommy Wiseau was actually in in the room whilst we were all watching this, and it, it, he is something else to behold in real life. And the reason why this film, I think, gets as much love as it does is because heckling is encouraged during a watching party. People throw spoons at the screen because in one scene, no joke, in Johnny and Lisa's flat, there are two framed photographs or a couple of framed photographs of spoons. Not loved ones, not a picture of little Johnny with a golden retriever, actual living, breathing spoons. And people throw it. They, they love the fact that it's just it's a laugh and they find humor in the, the silliest little things and i think that's probably the best way to to watch it to enjoy it to understand why so many people enjoy it, it it's just it's it's a film that brings people together in the weirdest of circumstances yeah yeah it's, it's almost um like a rocky horror picture show kind of level yeah. of audience interaction without but you know in this instance obviously you know no stage show literally just <laughs> a yeah. cinema screen which you're chucking plastic spoons at um counting yeah. the number of times someone says hello or something That's right yeah i mean even uh, you can even role play or dress up in your favorite characters so a lot of people tend to dress up in uh, tuxedos holding the american football too right it's, yeah uh, it's, it's absolute scenes so, um, as I said, we, we normally delve into it. We d I can't possibly do it with this film, but there are several scenes that have to be talked about. Um, the first one that springs to mind is the, the opening sort of preamble to the sex scene. So uh, Johnny comes in, buys Lisa a red dress, and then their, their special neighbour turns up. <laughs> that little prick. That little prick Danny. Yeah. Little prick Danny. He turns up. That little up. prick. Um, and then they're like, they're quite clearly saying, right, uh, Danny, it's nice that you pop round and everything, mate, but we're about to go have some special adult alone time. <laughs> Could, uh, you know, you, you know, let yourself out. Um, but instead of doing that, he runs upstairs and instigates a tickle fight. Yeah, yeah. No one should ever have to crash a private pillow fight. Uh, that's one of the rules I have lived my life by. And thankfully, no one has ever crashed a session. But to see him, I, I mean, I was... I was furious absolutely raging it is odd though right i mean, I mean mm -hmm, what, is. what is danny D, danny's relationship to johnny in this well, film that's a very good question you just asked so i'm going to try and dissect this so <laughs> later on we find out that tommy wanted to adopt him so that's quite cute but yeah. a where are his parents in all of this b how on earth did he get mixed up with chris r because there's no other character called Chris in the film, but Chris R, who supplied him with drugs and is asking for a bit of money, I, I there's so many questions to ask. So Emma, I, what kind of money? <laughs> but what kind of drugs? I, I, what, kind I, I, of, what kind of money? <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so I'm I'm going to say he's kind of a school kid that is probably on the wrong side. Like his mum and dad are never there, so they're probably either like really high flying, successful business people, or yeah. just on meth. And Johnny's kind of taken a bit of a liking to him. You know, he thinks he's a good old kid, but to to actually say, yeah, I was going to adopt him. I was going to draw up the papers and everything. That's you know, you're, you're going to give a kid some ideas. I mean, that's the only reasoning why. I think he can firstly allow himself into the home because, you know, he's, 
he's Denny. He's that little Denny. And, and he's allowed to, to just watch them. And it's highly unsettling, but still gets my vote. It's one of those things. This is like this. This needs to end. This is going into yeah. uncomfortable territory. A bit wrong. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone a bit wrong. <laughs> yeah. So he's devastated when he tells them to go. He's like, fine then. Not gonna yeah, let he, him go. he gives Knock him a food. shit look. Like he's yeah. like, oh, filthy's like, on that. Yeah. I know he's he's plotting revenge as we speak. He's just made an enemy. But I don't know. I really don't know why. Just. You know, I'm not going to ask a 16-year-old to start, you know, watching while I'm making the beast with two bags. <laughs> not often. No, serene. It's not a question of asking him to watch. It's a question of telling him to fuck off. <laughs> yes, thank you, Teddy. Could you please fuck off? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lovely jump you've got there. Fuck off. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's odd. And then to say that's what, like the first five minutes? That's... Mm-hmm. That sets yeah. the tone, right, for the, the rest oh, of the film in terms of definitely. the absurdity of anything that then happens. Absolutely. It's like strap on. You're going in for a bumpy ride. I mean, the question of like what is Danny's relationship with John is probably one of the more sensible questions that will throw out from any sort of scene in this. <laughs> I mean, the, the drug dealing scene, uh, yes. that never goes anywhere, right? They go, we're going to go no. give him to the police. And, no, uh, what well, I... What I absolutely love about that is the gung-ho, fearless attitude that both Johnny and Mark kind of tackle him. A man with a loaded gun and who looks like he could probably bench press a house. Yeah. And they make swift work of it very, very quickly. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, but it's... I don't play with that. But it goes nowhere. This is this is the things like these these yeah, huge kind it. of you know go. Oh, yeah. this is I see where this is going now. This is this story is now yeah. going to become about you know saving Danny from the um, from the evil drug dealer. But no, yes. no, it doesn't. End of subplot. Next. End of subplot. Move next. on to the next story. Yes. Next subplot. Um, Lisa's mum's breast cancer. Let's... That is mentioned 10 seconds and, and we, we move on. But there's so much to digest. Too, it's too localised to start talking and going into that. But that's all we needed to know. Yeah, she's just like, oh, I'm dying. And she's like, yeah. no, no, mum, you're not dying. She goes, yeah, no, I am. I got breast cancer and it came back positive. And she's like, anyway. I'm on the phone. <laughs> like <Back> to me. <laughs> why is it always that to be about you, Mum? Reminds me of that know. scene actually in these apocalypse times off Shaun of the Dead, where he says that um his father in law touched him and it's a titty. I was like, No, no, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so it's like it felt like it should be a lie or explained or something, but it just isn't. Exactly. She's Lisa that's the, the evilness that Lisa portrays. Because she's not that bothered about her own mum. It's all about her. And I love that because that really does build up on sort of the very quick turn of heel that Lisa has. Because when we first meet her, she's all nice pie and everything. Yeah. But she's a real nasty piece of work. And, it, you know, you throw that kind of boomerang in and you don't get it back. I mean, it just adds to her character. She doesn't care if her mum has breast cancer. No, no. She, I mean, it, she flip-flops between... Because it feels almost out of sequence because... Straight away after that, it becomes clear that she's not happy with Johnny and that she wants to be with Mark. Um, it's yeah. clear to everyone apart from Mark, it seems, because oh, like God. She, she opens I, the door oh. to Mark, shushes oh. him in, there's lights playing, she basically starts stripping, and he's like, <laughs> hold on, what's going on here? <laughs> I, I absolutely love how Mark is so blasé about everything. Even when she calls him and says, oh, I want you here, and he's like, yeah, look, I'm incredibly busy. What do you want? I want you here now, lover boy. Yeah, that's great. Okay, thank you. But I am incredibly busy. Like, it just, it, 
I mean, there's some people out there that sometimes don't get the hint. And there's some people that kind of ride around like a shire horse with the blinkers on the eyes. He's definitely a shire horse of the room. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's just, like, literally, it's there in front of him. And he's going, oh, there's some signals I'm getting here, and I'm not quite sure what it is. It's either she wants me to go to the grocery store for her, or or, or Denny's going to come around in a minute, and we're going to get all sorts of freaky on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what what really sort of adds the gravitas to, to Mark's sort of unknowingness of what the situation is all about, after they've kind of, you know, done the, the sexy dance on the stairs, um, he immediately kind of blames her for it. It's like, what have you done to me? It's like, hey, you know, you're the one with the, the plug. She's the one with the socket. You put two together, you got electricity. Own it. Yeah, he doesn't seem. Like he it. doesn't seem to always know what he wants in this film. He's kind of no, no, yeah, kind of like like a puppet with a brain. <laughs> so I think when you think of the room, you're automatically going to think of the the florist scene. Oh yeah. When it, I mean, it's only it's only twenty seconds, but I think it's twenty seconds that perhaps changed the world. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah. Can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. And it's one of the most quotable scenes from the film. Uh, it's, again, very, very quick. Very, not really needed, let's face it. And I think it has probably the stiffest, however, the greatest cameo from said florist, accompanied by her doggy. Like the dog, yeah, the now famous. Is it is it a pug dog on the side that apparently the, I mean, the crew didn't notice because it was utterly motionless until they until... didn't notice. Oh my lord, that just that just brings it to a whole other level. I mean, it's clearly a dog. I mean, it's not a stuffed toy. Certainly not a small child in an outfit. But it's clearly a living, breathing dog. But it's it, it it's gold. That whole twenty seconds is just pure, unadulterated gold. Yeah, that very much reminded me of the. Uh, child's joke when I watched that part is like what's the secret secret of comedy and then someone goes I don't know what the, and you just shout timing at them uh, a really <laughs> appropriate thing because <laughs> there is nothing in that scene is timed correctly from like, the moment he walks into his hello uh, buys yeah, oh I didn't know it was you talk. like who the hell is going to mistake him for like for anybody he's I don't quite know distinctive you. Yeah, like the, the walking vampire in San Francisco. Oh, it's like, you know, it, it pays homage to the fact that sunglasses does disguise anybody at any one time. Always. Um, so when he just lifts up his sunglasses, like, oh, Tommy, uh, <laughs> Johnny, I, I, I didn't recognise you with your, your disguise on. But I think, I mean, there's so much to love about this, but I think my favourite part is when the florist goes, you're my favourite customer. And it's like, <laughs> it's just done in the most wooden way. Like, you know, you might as well have stuck a birch tree in there and told it to act. It's, it is just, it's so out of place, so disjointed. And yet, I love the fact that the florist probably really put her heart and soul into delivering that line, but... It, it just makes it makes that whole thing just exquisite to watch. It's not the worst performance in the film. <laughs> it's not, no, 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 but uh, still, still memorable. In terms of the actual sort of look and feel of the film, it, there is some quite strange choices for set, right? Because yeah. there's, there's a fake alleyway and a green screen rooftop, which surely should have been easier just to have filmed in the street. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can kind of see where Tommy went with, you know, if you're going to start filming on a rooftop, it could get awfully windy, could get very noisy. It might yeah. be a pneumatic wheel down the street. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. I do get it. But it uh, still packs a punch when you see it on screen. <laughs> I mean, to, to begin with, I did think to myself, is, is that green screen? Because surely they would just not do that. They would just go to a roof but um it, yeah later on it's, it becomes increasingly obvious that it's oh yeah it, it, it becomes apparent shall we say it becomes yeah very apparent um as i say, we can probably go through this film anymore any other scenes that you particularly want to talk about in this oh my i mean the, probably one of the more useless however i wish it was relevant scenes probably the, the american football tuxedo scene <sighs> yes. again i mean i, I thought that, that was like the different. morning of the wedding when it started I know, but then, then it was just—it just kind of dissipated from the the narrative, and we got on with our lives. <laughs> but they looked very, very lovely. They really did. So you they probably can't. Game. You can't, probably can't dangle that carrot for listeners without explaining exactly what tuxedo football is. In this film. <laughs> I I'm, I'd pay to watch it. I'd, I'd get a season <laughs> ticket for it. I definitely I'd definitely be on Wizo's team. I'd support him all the way. Yeah, because he's got a a distinctive throwing action, right? He really does. I I love the commitment he goes to it as well. He doesn't just throw, he throws. Yeah, like his whole body's used, not just an arm. Yeah, like if you you want to throw the football, you become the football. (laughs) (laughs) So this this whole tuxedo scene is is insane because obviously they're sat around, like I say, um, throughout the film they're mentioning that there's an impending wedding and it's kind of, the, the timeline for the film's a bit, Choppy change, choppy changey. Um, so that, that's yeah, like, been generous. Yeah, it's like, is this the same birthday you're talking about? Or is this like next year's birthday? Um, and is, is the wedding still on? Have they cancelled the wedding and they moved on? Um, but So they talk about the wedding a lot. Then there's a scene where they're the two main, uh, well, Johnny and Danny and uh, the, the psychoanalyst or whatever, psychologist. What's his name? Oh, his name? oh Christ. Yeah, you're always playing psychiatrist. But then yeah. he, um, he actually, the character actually changes at the birthday party because they couldn't get hold of the original guy that was playing the psychiatrist. So they just quietly changed him for another actor. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because in the, in the party, he starts having a little bit more lines. And it's like, Where, where's this chap come from? What's, what's your game? What's your beef? It just and picks another guy's glasses and it completely fooled me. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Again, the magic of the room. It's just, each time you revisit it, there's always something new you find out about it. Or more importantly, the magic of glasses as a disguise or as there a we go. identifier. See? <laughs> oh my goodness, we've just come full circle. <laughs> I feel like we've really learned some it tonight. So, yeah, so they're, they're all stood there. And they're, they're, there's a, it's not an inference to the wedding, but it's kind of like, a, a, it's obviously an occasion, right? Because they're all in tuxedos. And then Mark turns up and he's got, he's shaved as well. Yes, ah. So you're Again, like, oh. Yeah, baby face. Baby face is here. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see why the ladies love him, or at least Lisa does. And then, yeah, and then they, yeah. instead of going to a wedding, they go to a fake alleyway, play football until uh, the psychologist has a horrendous accident and falls oh. over and then, you know, it, has to stop the game. I know, it was like a scene from ER. It was just, it was very distressing. It took it was me a English while. English casualty, he would definitely have died later in the episode, though, because he's oh, always the one. Like, yeah, amputated leg. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do not resuscitate. The end. That, would, that was definitely him. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so the timeline changes and it isn't a wedding mm-hmm. they're just playing uh football in an alleyway um but then we have his, his his birthday where it all begins to unravel that's right it's um and again it's it's one of those things where you think it's a birthday but then turns out lisa is pregnant with child i forgot about that subplot that again goes in there. <laughs> again this is why the room is so great because no matter how many times you go back to it you discover something brand new you're like oh yeah of course she's pregnant wasn't she but then that was a lie like maury that was a lie and uh, yeah his it just it's one massive kind of cluster bomb of an explosion where everything doesn't just go wrong it spectacularly goes wrong I mean, it, the whole world has betrayed Johnny. You know, everybody should be ashamed of themselves. And it's tearing him apart. It's tearing him apart. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! You know, and also, one of my favourite things about where everything, you know, when shit goes down South Creek, is where the, the sheer strength that Tommy Wiseau as Johnny holds, because when you see him sort of shove Mark, he doesn't just shove him, he literally picks him up and throws him across the ground like friggin' Avengers. It's like the man is superhuman. Yeah, we see doing that. He's got that stress anger, isn't he? Where you know, yeah, ah, I love uh, yes, this world. I mean, I, I can't help but feel that maybe Lisa and Mark could have been a little bit more subtle with their affair at this point. Because I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, there's there's been secretive, but then there's pretty much laying out the whole sort of plans in front of you. Go, hey, by the way, this is what we're going to do. Come around, <laughs> yeah, you as well. Because I thought, yeah. Uh, we're gonna do. The, the furtive looks were enough. I'm like, oh, hello, you better be careful with the furtive looks because, oh. you know, everyone knows a furtive look at a party, what that means. Oh, but yeah. then she just yeah, sort of sends she... everyone out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because why not? Because this, this is, again, the magic of the room. Normal rules in life do not apply to this story. Um, and then, obviously, he takes the news badly that... Kind just, of. Despite the fact he's just found out he's going to be a father... There's um, one, yeah. There's mm-hmm. one. <laughs> He's going to be a father. He's found <laughs> out that his best mate and his in his future wife, not a fiance, yes. a future wife. Fiance, too, too many syllables. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are um are um you know uh, doing the bad thing behind him. Um, yeah. Denny's in love with Lisa as well. Oh, he yeah. claimed that little prick. Just leave it out, Denny. Go back to your studies. <laughs> Go back to <sighs> school. Parents. Yes. Yeah, or you know, go back to drug dealing. Either way, oh. just you know, leave it out, man. He did a really great job with that, didn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So this all becomes too much for him, and he trashes his bedroom, mm. and then shoots yeah. himself in the face. He does. He does. He does. And also, oh, you, you forgot to mention he made passionate love to Lisa's red dress. Oh yeah, yeah, he mm. did that. I thought that my um my cause it was a, a YouTube copy of the sexless oh, version. Oh, was that cut? No, That's no, but that wasn't cut. I oh. thought it was jumping horribly. Oh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was. It was buffering. <laughs> um, How is YouTube doing this? It's like, it's like why is that bit repeating over and over again? But yeah, he kind of hit thrusts the old red dress. Yeah, he does, and he, he again, you know, this is the commitment of uh, not just the character of Johnny, but also Tommy Wiseau. I really got a feeling of uh, sort of James Dean vibes from Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> yeah, so then he, he, he bites the bullet, he literally, uh, he literally takes, it, yeah. takes one in the mouth from a gun. Yeah, sadly not Lisa. <laughs> not, not a euphemism. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Lisa and Mark run into the room and Lisa's first response to the 
obviously massive head injury and puddle of blood is to shout, wake up, Johnny. <laughs> Love does crazy things to people. But, and not forgetting that, I mean, you think obviously that, so the, the first responses are coming, but rather than an ambulance, you hear a fire truck on their way to kind of douse the flames of Johnny's fatally injured brain. It, yeah. It's just, it's a marvellous way to really sort of end the film on a high. <laughs> yeah so um, unfortunately Johnny does die he does sadly he, it was all just too much he got too um, too messed over by by Mark and Lisa and decided yep. to take the coward's way out <laughs> um, <laughs> so that brings um, us to the end of the film it's not the end of the story is it because this film yeah, like but... if you just watch this on its own just in it, it's got it's you know You'd watch it and go, that was a crazy film. But then you start reading into the backstory of the whole thing, and it is just fascinating. It's like um, you can easily lose hours of your life following a thread of this around the internet to find out how old Tommy was, (laughs) where he's from, and how come he's got like so much money. Because this was six million quid, I think, is the conservative estimate of how much this cost, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, the guy had about two or three different cameras that he was using while shooting he um he claimed that he was sort of in his 20s late 20s early 30s but it kind of suggests that he might have maybe fudged the numbers a little bit there and of course i mean if you want to read a really great book about the whole story of how the room got made there is uh, the disaster artist written by greg cicero who played mark in the film it's it's a really fascinating quite funny and a little bit sad version of events, but it's um, it's definitely worth uh, reading. How much of uh, an accurate uh, adaption is the the film? The, you know, the um, yeah. film. <laughs> Not this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Tommy Wiseau claims about eighty percent of it was all fabricated, which means hundred percent of it was all true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it, it's quite it's a good sort of um, accompaniment to the book. Of course, some things have been sort of emphasised for dramatic effect, but it the the disaster artist itself is a really great homage to what happens to you know life on the set of the room, and it, it kind of depicts it very very well. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was a really I was a little bit worried when it first got announced, and I was a little bit worried when it was released. But it was it's just a, a wonderful wonderful film. Yeah, it's not bad. And one of, I'm not a big James Franco fan, but he does a, no. very, a very good Tommy Wiseau. In he this. does, yeah, he does indeed. It's very, um, it's almost quite accurate. I mean, it's the mannerisms, the way how he kind of talks and speaks is um, is almost identical. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And as an accompaniment, if you, so I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or just in a preamble beforehand, but I watched both yeah. of the Room and then the Disaster Artist back to back, and it it, it instantly adds a sort of um, a glow around the room, which probably mm-hmm. didn't deserve in the first instance. <laughs> You're like, well, oh, actually, there's, you know, there's, I can see there's some, there's some heart in that there. Um, okay, so this is your final chance to defend this film, to see okay. whether or not we release it into the wild or whether it, okay. it stays deep within the bunker. God, that's a lot of pressure to add. Hey, oh you, you, can't, you asked for this gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd do it again, damn it. Okay. <laughs> Why should 
did the room be released? Well, simply every single time you watch it, you get nothing but joy and happiness and laughs. All right, they may not be intentional, but at the same time, how many times can you watch a film where you 100% say, you know what, I actually quite enjoyed watching it, it was a bit of silly fun. It's one of those films that not only is it enjoyable to watch on your own, but watch it in a large group of people or in a cinema screen, because I think that's where it really sort of adds to its its playfulness, its fun, it, the, the actual the attractiveness of why people keep going back and revere it so much. It is something where you can see something a little bit different every time you watch it. But again, I don't think it's ultimately the, the worst film in the world. Okay, it's the best worst film in the world, but it's not exactly like terribly bad. It's nothing like Nick Cage and his new films that he does, no siree. <laughs> it is quite simply, you will never find anything like this and you shouldn't have to. So by all means, watch The Room and watch it with a bit of the old in out, in out in it too. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I, I I want I wanted to disagree. I think. Um, but no, I I I think um I'm I'm sold. I think say the I think if you watched it completely in isolation, if you didn't went with anybody else, yes. you watched it on its own, and you didn't read about it beforehand or read about it afterwards or see any of the accompanying sort of story to it, you would just go that is amateur dramatics at its worst but you start mm-hmm. unpicking it look at it and and I, I have to release this because i really want to go to one of those midnight showings and throw plastic spoons oh. at a screen you know, once once all of this uh, situation is over go to uh, some of the cinemas that i know do it prince charles cinema in london uh, the electric cinema in birmingham do it um, i know there's countless other independent cinemas that hold the room nights um every now and again Go and watch it. Arm yourself with some plastic spoons and just enjoy it. And also wear a, wear a nice tuxedo while you're at it too. Bit ill-fitting. Has to make Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> like you, you're in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, it is free. It is released into the world. It's a, um, a crazy bonkers, <laughs> awful, awful film. But for some reason, <laughs> it's got a huge amount of heart to it. And, um, yeah, just it's just a, a fantastic story. And I think if you just take it as evidence of, like, one man's overwhelmed desire to do something and actually making it happen um you know all it took was a dream and six million dollars and that's right <laughs> just on its own it needs to be out there and i would say for purely selfish reasons i i, I want to see this in a cinema with the with the belly bob boffing it i mean oh I god Honestly, I mean, that guy could not navigate himself around a compass, let alone a lady's anatomy. But it's the reason why I love it so much. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Uh, Where can we find you online, Gemma? Okay, well, you can follow me on Twitter at that Gemma H. I also have my little side hustle, Reimagined, which is at Reimagined UK. And I'm always happy to say hello, give a virtual high five, or just a good old gif. So, yes, find me there. Perfect. Thank you very much. And thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, what a good chat, Matt. Yes, it was a, it was a lot of fun. That fun what I've, talk about it. What I noticed about this film is when I was tweeting about it, um, I wanted to include a GIF 
And there are fucking shows <laughs> yeah. of the room gifts. I think, yeah, I had trouble finding a copy to watch. Like I said, I had to watch a, a sexless version. But I think you could probably watch the whole film in GIF form. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah, yeah. uh, it's all out there. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. And I, I, as I mentioned in the, in the interview, I watched it back to back with The Disaster Artist. Mm. The, uh, the sort of like a film of the book of the film. That's a weird thing to say. Um, and it, it makes it better. It, it gives it, because the backstory is better than the actual film. And knowing the, the backstory when you watch the film is, is kind of, it, it'll make it good. I, I think I'm going to watch it again at some point, which yeah. is weird because it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like a, it's a sport. It's a sport film. It's weird. It's weird. It's just odd. But there yeah. are cinemas around the world that that, 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 that showcase and play this. Yeah, showcase, yeah. Showcase, but play it religiously. I mean, not at the moment, but. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, we'll do. But there you go. That's it. There's, your, there's another lockdown special for you. You're welcome. You're and, welcome. Uh, make sure you jump on to your, your, your provider and uh, either a review or a rating and follow us on social media. Go to the website, which is movie. Go on, Matt. No, it's fine. You do it. I always movie do it. Bu- <laughs> you know, I thought that was my thing. <laughs> Mo- moviebunkerpodcast.com. That's it. Moviebunkerpodcast.com. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll see you. Well, you'll hear us uh, on the next podcast if you choose to listen to it. <laughs> definitely see it. Definitely hear us before you see us. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Toodaloo, Matt. Take care. Ciao, mama. Stay safe. <laughs>